From the 1011 Now streaming studio in Lincoln, Nebraska, this is the End Report Husker Show. Hello and welcome everyone to another edition of the End Report Husker Show from the 1011 Now streaming studio. I am your host, Bill Rentschler, alongside sports director Kevin Suits and sports reporter Chase Madison. We can't really see Chase here. i got to take off these lower thirds. There's Chase. Uh, busy weekend of Husker athletics, but a really, really good weekend of Husker athletics. So lots of fun things to kind of talk about today. Obviously, football wins, wins ugly over Northwestern. Volleyball, obviously, probably the even bigger story. The win over number one, Wisconsin. Five sets, thrilling match. Um, but you also had the Husker, like, swimming and diving team that won their meet. Husker soccer uh, clinched to share the regular season Big Ten title. So lots of good things kind of going on in Huskerland, guys. So Saturday lived up to the hype for the fans, and they got two wins. And the games were back-to-back. -back. And so if you write up the dream scenario of a fall Saturday for Husker Nation, the tailgating was good, mm -hmm. the football game, well, the result was good. The result was good. And we'll spend the next 30 minutes or so unpacking the football game. But the result was good. And then the volleyball match was absolutely electric, historic crowd, largest crowd ever inside the Devaney Center for a volleyball match, over 9,000 fans, and then everybody knows. It went five sets. It was a deuce game at the end. 15-13, Nebraska wins set five. They become the number one team in college volleyball. Uh, but that's a day that Husker fans are going to talk about for a long, long time. And not just and not just the crowd in the Bob, but you also had it was the most watched volleyball match in Big Ten Network History, I think, is what they put out today. It was over like a 600,000 yep. number. And, uh, I mean, they, they outdrew the football team on Big Ten Network. So, Chase, you were, you were in the Bob for the match, right? Yeah, I was in the room where it happened, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, yeah, and John Cook pointed out today in his press conference, he wasn't trying to, you know, poke fun at, football or have a rivalry he was just pretty impressed with the numbers and even uh, I think taken back by over 9,000 there in person it was a hot ticket to get and the game lived up to the hype um, but I think you know it's just people are volleyball is hot right now people are, are gathering around it and besides the two teams playing one and two the sport is just has a lot more eyeballs on it which is just great for women's sports I chuckled John Cook didn't want to say it, but he was also like, you know, we outdrew football on, on BTN and, you know, and we hold the attendance record in Memorial Stadium. He so. probably never thought he would see the day. Oh, absolutely not. I don't but this anyone. year just has something special about it. And Cook is pretty reserved about saying that, but as media members and as fans, we can say that. And I feel like this volleyball team has a little bit of a Beatles mystique to it. Yeah. Because when they go on the road, we're now seeing the effect of Nebraska volleyball. You know, there's always been a good crowd that has supported Nebraska volleyball, no matter whether they were in the Big Ten, Big 12, when they go to Waco, Texas, or Champaign, Illinois, or you know Columbus, Ohio. There's a smattering of red in the crowd. But now we're starting to see that opposing teams are selling out their venues to watch their team play Nebraska. Because if there is a team... Or a game that you would want to go take in if you were at some of these opposing Big Ten schools, it would be with Nebraska in town. Not only the fact that they are undefeated and ranked number one in the country prior to this week, number two in the country, 
but it's the team that got all the national publicity when the when they held the outdoor match. So that's what I mean by like they have the Beatles type mystique to them because everybody's fascinated with them. And then here locally, everybody wants a piece of this volleyball pie. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's plenty to go around. There's a lot of you know. There's a lot. I mean, they're, they're all young. But there's a lot of big names with this team between Harper Murray, Andy Jackson, you know, Lexi Rodriguez, and, and all the rest of them. It's all, in my opinion, a residual effect of Volleyball Day in Nebraska yeah. because that had so many eyeballs inside Memorial Stadium. And then the headlines, the images, everything afterwards, if you weren't there, you were like, wow, that that's remarkable. And, and now your curiosity turns up with this volleyball program. And, oh, by the way, they're winning. So you're really going to latch on to them. And they're a national championship contender right now, number one. They got all the first-place votes except for one this week, which whatever. Everybody knows they're the number one team in college volleyball. They just beat the previous number one. Um, it, it was a match. and, and w- w- Chase, it, it was just incredible being there, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I was – I'm glad I didn't have to spend a pretty penny on a ticket. Uh, but, yeah, it was it was great to be there, but um, just a different, different atmosphere, right? There's been – I've been to a, a handful of home games this season, probably 8 to 10, and this one had something different about it. The student section, I'll give them credit, was more in it than most nights. And this was a game where in set four they got even put up backs against the wall where it was match point for – Wisconsin and people weren't heading to their cars. People were staying, and you know it is the Bob one dis one of the side effects of having a packed house is parking and getting out of the Bob's pretty hard to do, or it takes you a while. And sometimes fans leave a little bit early. They they were staying, and there was about nine thousand there when when the call happened. And I think just the atmosphere played a big factor into it even more. They, the players know what the Husker nation is like, but I think the student section just added an, an extra umph factor. And John cook. I mean, he didn't, he, he, he set the challenge is what he said today. He wants it. They have five more home matches. Um, again, he wants the energy to basically be like it was against Wisconsin for the rest of their home matches. Okay. Five more home matches. It's going to be more than five. They're going to host in the first and second rounds. And right now, one of the effects of winning against Wisconsin, I think Nebraska is in a really good spot to host for regionals. So they may not have to play outside of the Devaney Center in the postseason until the Final Four, which is in Tampa, Florida. Mm -hmm. I think that's the significance of that win outside of maybe some big and unexpected hiccups on the backside of the Big Ten schedule, I think Nebraska is going to be hosting for regionals. And that has not happened in several years. So it was a big-time result. And Chase mentioned the call. So it comes down to a net violation on Wisconsin. If you're watching the Big Ten Network broadcast late Saturday night, you saw the replay in which Wisconsin went into the net it was a little bit – it wasn't a massive bump, but – It bumped I mean, it. it. It was the correct call. Mm-hmm. And you heard one of the announcers, like, right as they showed the replay, she goes, oh. It's like, oh, my goodness, like, that's what it's going to come down to. And some people even wonder, you know, why was that call not made to begin with? I had a discussion with my wife regarding this, and she, you know, having played at Nebraska and being connected in the volleyball community, said that, you know – 
challenges and replays have taken a lot of pressure off of the officials. Mm -hmm. Would you want to be the official to call the net violation that would decide that match? No. But no. there was there was a picture on Twitter, I think, of when the referee told the other official that they were going to overturn it. Correct. You could see her eyes kind of popping. Correct. So, but to my point, like, no official wants to make that call. Mm -hmm. No, people don't want to inject themselves into the situation and make a call. And you better be doggone sure that that's the call. So, replay and challenges have taken the onus off of the officials. And if the coaches think that it happened and it could determine a game, then you challenge it. And then now the videotape is going to make the call. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's a little insight into that match point, which was so pressure-packed. And, you know, it, it kind of – it didn't crescendo to the climax. It just abruptly it happened. Did. Because there was the waiting during the review. And then once the call was made, man, it was madness on the court. <laughs> Yeah, and just like a full like, you know, 180 of emotions for some of the players because Harper Murray, who had some huge kills in that fifth set, struggled a little bit in the fourth set, but just turned it around in the fifth set. She was the one who hits it wide, wide out of bounds on the play. And just her head goes down, kind of distraught initially as they get into the huddle. And then there's actually a clip that, that I saw from the game where her head pops up because Bergen Riley was like, I think they hit the net. And then they talked to Jalen Reyes and then eventually Cook challenges. And so from going to a now it's Point Wisconsin, like Point Wisconsin, now they're back to serving. And that would have made it 14-14. So we would have kept going to a win by two scenario for that to, to be all the waiting. And then the, the call is reversed in, you know, it was it was clear once you go back and watch the video. But it was something that in the moment, it was not obvious to fans or the, the judges in the at the game. So just really quite the, the pandemonium, as Kevin said, of emotions right after that whole 180 of the call. That match had so much buildup, so much hype from the ticket sales to, you know, the students lining up way in advance. I think they were there at 11 a.m. for a 7 o'clock match. Uh, to all the things that were said leading up to the game, to the Lindsey Krause injury, it, it, like it was – there was a lot, well, and it you, was the talk of the town all week. Never mind the football game, but let's be honest. No, Nebraska-Wisconsin right. volleyball was what dominated the sports conversations in the local coffee shops, the department stores, everywhere. And for it to actually deliver and match the hype and possibly exceed it, that's pretty rare. It is. And that's where I think so many people, you know, what are we, four days removed from it? Still they're, talking about still it. still talking about it. And it's not just because we get the viewership numbers today and because the poll came out on Monday. It's just, no, it was that amazing of an experience. And that's what everybody said about Volleyball Day in Nebraska. Because there was so much hype with that event beyond the volleyball. Just being inside Memorial Stadium, an outdoor venue to watch an indoor sport be played. The event with the fireworks, everything, it... Like, there are two times now in the course of one season with Nebraska volleyball where things have been hyped up beyond regularity, and they have not only met but possibly exceeded it. And it's all about the experience of the, the fan and the volleyball goer that has just been so great. It, and as John Cook said, women's sports are on fire right now. Well, no, his sport is on fire right now.
volleyball, th these television numbers are off the charts. And now we're seeing it broadcasted on ESPN, not just for the tournament, but midweek matches Wednesday. You know, they've got a great spot on mm -hmm. national television. And I feel like there is just so much momentum behind the sport of volleyball. And, oh, by the way, they're going to have professional volleyball played in Omaha starting in February. And uh, you talked about the, the buildup. Uh, you were obviously in Memorial Stadium for the football game watching it back here. The amount of promos that they ran during the football game for the volleyball game, um, you know, it was a lot. And, you know, they interviewed the, the color. Uh, Emily Amen, I think, was her name. They interviewed her on the sideline. And, and so... And again, like you said, to actually have the buildup and have the game actually match the buildup and the hype, you don't see it that often. The Big Ten Network has to has to be whistling oh, yeah. Dixie right now. You know what I mean? Like they are, they have to be tickled pink with the way that this has all played out for them. The fact that they have always supported volleyball and they have, you know, put a lot of resources into it mm -hmm. as well. I wonder what the SEC Network, the Pac-12 Network, the Mountain West Network. Like, there has to be a high level of jealousy. Because, yes, as volleyball grows, the Big Ten seems to be so far in front of everybody else in terms of the way that they love on the sport and promote the sport. Because, as you mentioned, those commercials, it wasn't a, hey, catch it here or there. About every time out during the football game, there was promotion for Nebraska-Wisconsin volleyball. And it'll be, I mean, even more interesting. I mean, because it gets even better next year. I mean, I feel like, again, with the expansion, it was obviously football-driven, but you're talking about bringing UCLA, USC, Washington, and Oregon into volleyball, which those are four good programs. And so the Big Ten is already difficult enough as it is, and you add those four on top of it. Well, right now it's Nebraska and Wisconsin are at the top. Penn State is a really good team. Purdue is a really good team. Uh, this is a league that routinely gets you know half a dozen teams into the NCAA tournament, and John Cook has said it's always harder to win a Big Ten championship than the NCAA championship because the Big Ten season is 20 matches. Mm -hmm. National championship, a run to the Final Four, and then winning, winning the whole thing, it's, it's six matches. Mm -hmm. Right now, as we do this podcast on Tuesday, October 24th, uh, 24th the Huskers are 10 matches in to the conference season. They're at the midway point, and they're atop everybody else. And John Cook today, Chase, again, he – you know, talked about the Wisconsin match, but he also, you know, kind of, he didn't really want necessarily want to dwell on it because he even said, hey, we have two matches this week. My job is to get him ready to play Maryland on Friday. Yeah, this is a back-to-back, -back, a Big Ten back-to-back -back Friday, Saturday, where so they don't have much time for recovery. Um, however, that John Cook did say a few weeks ago that he does like this format in the sense that they have more time for practice prep instead of having a game on Wednesday. They get to host Maryland and then Rutgers on Saturday. So, uh, yeah, he's he, moving on to the next game, right? He, it was he did get to talk about it, and you know, on fr on Saturday night, people were asking him like, "You got one of the red cowboy hats?" Which he said he had <laughs> up in his office, and for all the Western Nebraska Cowboys out there. Um, so he, you know, he definitely played to the fun of it all, but. Yeah, he's, he's got a job to do. They have games to win. And, you know, as Kevin said, this is a gauntlet of a Big Ten, right? Only four teams in the current ABCA Top 25, but still some really good programs that are just going up against the same competition. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how if they can keep this going in this second half stretch. So they have Maryland and Rutgers Friday and Saturday. Maryland's 14-8. and eight. At home. At home. 
Uh, Maryland on Friday at seven. Saturday is at seven thirty. Uh, but Maryland's fourteen and eight. Rutgers is nine and eleven. Uh, and then next week you're on the road at Penn State at Rutgers because state volleyball will be next week. Correct. Correct. And then you have Northwestern at home, Illinois at home, Michigan at home, at Iowa, at Wisconsin, at Minnesota. Again, you got to play Wisconsin again. Tell me those last two regular season matches again. At Wisconsin, at Minnesota. That's how it's going to end. Yeah. And that is going to be incredible because at that point, I, I don't think the Big Ten will be decided going into that week. Mm-hmm. It's going to come down to that week. And Nebraska plays Wisconsin in Madison on Friday night. Do you Black know, Friday. Kevin, because I don't know, and I did not look it up before this podcast, what would the tiebreaker be? Say if Head Nebraska in. goes to uh, – Madison and loses. Well, it'd be co-champs. Like if that's the one loss for both teams, mm-hmm. you become co-champions. Okay. Okay. But if it, but if there is like head to head, like let's say, um, you know, Wisconsin were to lose more than Nebraska, obviously Nebraska wins. But if it, but if it's two schools it that only play one time, the head to head is the tiebreaker. Okay. But they do award co-champions. Okay. Uh, in volleyball, now Wisconsin has been presented the Big Ten Championship trophy on the Devaney Center floor before. Ooh. Last yeah. year. Yeah. Last year it happened. So, uh, but all, all that to say, you know, the big takeaway is just after hearing you read the remaining schedule, Bill, Nebraska only has a handful of home matches left in the regular season. There are two coming up this weekend, Friday and Saturday. And you could see naturally after the big ramp up for Wisconsin, there could be a little bit of a drop off. Mm-hmm. And that's John Cook's challenge. So that's takeaway number two. Number one, takeaway number two is the fact that, you know, it's not the sexiest of Big Ten schedule for Nebraska in November until the last week. Mm-hmm. So don't lose interest. And I don't think anybody will because this team will likely continue to stockpile some wins. But oh my goodness. On, what is it, November 24th and 25th, Wisconsin, Minnesota, on the road, back-to-back nights, the Huskers could be playing for the league title and possibly securing a host site for the NCAA regionals. That'll, that'll just be it'll be re- a really exciting next six weeks for volleyball. Coaches hate this, by the way. How we're looking so far down the road, <laughs> car ahead of the horse uh, analogy. But that's what we're allowed to do. Yeah. You know, John Cook, if if he were to sit next to us, like he would be throwing things at us. <laughs> he would be screaming. Uh, he would not be a fan of this at all. No. Uh, but the matches Friday and Saturday are they're slated right now to be on BTN Plus. I don't know how that TV works. I don't know if those could get bumped to the regular You're Big Ten these Network. These Friday's matches? Yeah, this Friday, this Saturday, slated for BTN Plus because they play. My parents are talking about, hey, we need to get a BTN Plus subscription because we want to watch these matches because there's, I think, maybe five or so of the next ten are on BTN Plus. Um, yeah. So I'm it, sure the Big Ten Network probably loves, they'll probably, their subscription numbers will probably go up over the next like- couple of weeks. Looks like when they're on the road against Penn State, it's Big Ten Network slash Fox Sports. And then the Michigan game at home in November is Big Ten Fox Sports. Right now, actually, we're talking about the 24th, 25th being Friday and Saturday night. It's a On the schedule, it looks like a 3 p.m. start time for Wisconsin on Black Friday. So that must be butting right up again the end of the Husker game. Well, there we go. But the Nebraska football game is on CBS, so on it's CBS, not like it's yes. going to go yeah. from. It's not going to, no. yeah. It's what not they did be on like Saturday. the broadcast on Saturday, right? You're right. Well, speaking of the Big Ten Network, um, 
They do not have the broadcast for the football game this week as we pivot to football. It's going to be on FS1. It's a 2.30 game, so another afternoon game inside Memorial Stadium. The FS1 broadcast will be Chase's guy, Jeff Levering, with Mark Helfrich. They're going to be calling (laughs) Nebraska uh, football game. Who's Jeff? What? My guy's Mark Followell. Okay, well, there we go. I'm going to make Jeff Levering your guy as well. They have called (laughs) Nebraska football before, a good announcer crew, Mm -hmm. um, but Nebraska's on FS1 uh, for football again this Saturday. And right now, as of yesterday when I looked, two-and-a-half-point favorite over Purdue, the over-under set at 42. Um, Again, Purdue comes in two-and-five on the year, one-and-three in conference play. New coach, Ryan Walters. Um, It was talked about with – the press availability yesterday and today, uh, but defensive guy, um, Harburg, I think, was talking about it was almost like Illinois 2.0. Cause, well, you know, when you said Purdue and you're running through their stats, you kind of had a little scout, like a, I don't know about this team, look on your face. Is that how you feel? I think, I think, I, Ryan Walters, that defense he fielded the last couple of years at Illinois was really, really salty. I think he's going to be a really good head coach. I think this is the first year, the struggles that every first year head coach has. But I think they're I think they're a good team. I think they're going to play really good defense. And again, the Husker offense right now we spoke about it ad nauseum is a mash unit even more so. Again, obviously with the season-ending injuries to Ethan Piper, Turner Corcoran, what does your offensive line look like? Because obviously your bread and butter is running the football. Are you going to be able to do it against a a, a pretty good defense and without some of your full-time starters? Okay, I get it. Yeah, that's where you stand. I think pretty good. Yeah. And I think that Ryan Walters, who's a really good def- young defensive mind with a lot of energy, I think he's licking his chops right now in West Lafayette because he dialed up a really good defensive scheme at Illinois last year and helped that team contend for the Big Ten West Championship. How's Illinois doing this year? I would say so-so. Yeah, they're not doing very good. He left. Mm-hmm. He is trying to scheme for an offense with a – uh, a, a five-game starter at quarterback with a bunch of young, inexperienced offensive linemen and essentially a third-string running back who is now the starter because of the injury situation. Mm-hmm. You think he's excited about this matchup? Yeah. Absolutely he is. They're 2-5, and five, but don't be deceived by Purdue's record. And mm-hmm. that's why I think the betting line is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's 2.5, which typically you get 3 if you're at home. So on a neutral site, this is pretty much a pick em. Yeah. And I think that people in Vegas probably know, on paper, these two teams are pretty even. In fact, I don't know if Nebraska's defense right now is playing so well. That's what probably errs on the side of Nebraska being the favorite in this game, not to mention they're playing at home. Neutral site, though, Nebraska would maybe have a slight tick of an advantage, of an advantage again, based on Nebraska's defense. But Purdue overall, they've got Devin Mockaby, a guy who was a walk-on a year ago who ran all over the Huskers last season. He's back and even better. He's rushed for uh, about five yards per carry. God. You know, he was a little bit more of a fullback mold last year. He's a year. big guy. Now he's more of a, a tailback. Hudson Card is a kind of a do-it-all quarterback, and their offensive coordinator is Graham Harrell. You remember the air raid at Texas Tech? Well, Graham Harrell is one of the great quarterbacks who played at Texas Tech, and that's the offense he knows. That doesn't mean they're going to throw the ball 50 times inside Memorial Stadium on a gusty 46-degree day, but he has some principles that like to stretch the field, spread you out, and they're going to try to win in spacing. So 
I think that this is a team that probably deserves a little more respect than they're getting, in my opinion. Well, in uh, in Coach Walter's press availability on on Monday, you know, he kind of came out of Colorado, so he he was familiar with Nebraska through the Nebraska Colorado rivalry, and he even said, you know, every time I see that N on that helmet, I don't like it. I don't like that color red. So again, like you said, he's licking his chops, and then I think he's got some, you know, personal, you know. Not vendetta or whatever, but you know that rivalry from from back in his youth. He has a different perspective of Nebraska than a lot of other people in West Lafayette. And Purdue's coming off a bye week. Mm-hmm. This is the second straight year the Huskers are going to have an opponent, or second straight week where Nebraska's opponent is coming off a bye week. And I think that that's not to be overlooked with this as well, because Ryan Walters, you know, he and his staff, they were watching Nebraska play Northwestern, and they were probably taking all the notes that they could about how they would scheme and you know Nebraska Northwestern that game was not over till Northwestern's last offensive snap. Mm-hmm. I mean they had the football with a chance to drive the field and try to tie it in the closing minutes. I think Purdue's a little bit better than Northwestern. Mm-hmm. So we could be in for a pretty highly competitive game on Saturday. Yeah, Chase, I think if Nebraska wants to be successful, again, um, obviously Emmett Johnson probably going to have to have a big day, Anthony Grant, and players like Malachi Coleman, who we saw make that you know 44-yard touchdown catch against Northwestern, really, really need to have a good day. And like you mentioned, Kevin, the forecast for Saturday is, is not good. I don't think that you're going to see a whole lot of chucking the football around the field. Yeah, I think, you know, whether this is a, a day to run the football, uh, yeah, regardless, Nebraska's run game has been good as of recent, so that is a good sign. Emmett Johnson's been able to hold on to the football and had a few bursts. He had a 24-yard gain, I think, uh, later in the game on Saturday. So, you know, he's shown flashes at times. We know what Anthony Grant can do. Anthony Grant can be a game-breaker, but he also can be – an offense breaker with his fumbling. So um, they're kind of keeping him on a leash and allowing Emma Johnson to step up into a bigger role. And yeah, I think this is a, a game that, you know, if it is a situation where it's kind of a weather dependent run the football, it kind of helps out Nebraska. But Tony White said it today that this is a Purdue offense that is not just a full air raid, right? They had Aiden O'Connell last year, and Tony White actually played Purdue last year. Aiden O'Connell threw for over 300 yards. Syracuse ended up winning that game, I believe, by three. But this is a Tony White has seen this Purdue offense. It's different now with Hudson Card, who came from Texas, and but they still can run the football. I think they're running the football even more under Ryan Walters than they did last year because Aiden O'Connell actually had over 400 passing yards against Syracuse last year. So when defense coached by Tony White. So I think, you know, even if the weather might favor the Cornhuskers offense, this is a Purdue team that can run the football and there's going to have to be guys to step up and Nebraska is going to have to score points because this is not Northwestern. Purdue can, can score the football and they've been able to put up some, some high numbers this season that makes you think that they're going to have some success against the black shirts. Black shirts coming in now have 24 sacks on the year, which is actually tied for eighth in the country. One of those guys getting some of those sacks last week was James Williams. I had to look up. It's like, who the heck is number 90? Because uh, he looked like he was shot out of a pistol. I don't know what you guys were thinking in the stadium if you had to grab the program guide, too, and be like, who, who's they number They call 90? him the sack man. The sack man. That's what Ty Robinson told us today is that uh, you know these players have known about James Williams, but he has spent most of his season on the scout team. And 
you know, this coaching staff, it's not just lip service. Mm-hmm. If you practice well, if you do the right things, they're going to find a way for you to get on the field. And they've done it in a variety of ways. Moving positions. They're, they're just so not afraid to, to try and experiment and, you know, cross-train players. It's, it's very fascinating. And one thing that Matt Rule is hoping will pay off on Saturday is the fact that they've had these platoon practices. That's basically, instead of having everybody a part of one practice and a bunch of guys standing on the sidelines watching, this is kind of advice that was given to Matt Rule by Tom Osborne and Frank Solich, was to have two simultaneous practices so that some of the guys deeper on your depth chart, they are still getting reps in the middle of your two-and-a-half-hour workout. Well, they didn't know it at the time, but when they were doing that back in March, some of the guys that were probably in group two or on field two, starting offensive linemen right now. Mm-hmm. Justin Evans Jenkins is going to start on Saturday for Nebraska. I've always thought that he's pretty good. He's got really good feet mm-hmm. from what I've seen of him. He's played center. He's played guard. And he's going to be a very important piece of Nebraska's offensive line. He's a redshirt freshman. Uh, on Saturday, Henry Latovsky. So if you go down the O-line and what it's going to look like, I mean, there is no Ethan Piper. There is no Turner Corcoran. Ben Scott, thankfully, his injury is minor. He's going to be back on the field. But this is going to be the first time these this collection of five players will be on the field simultaneously. Uh, and that's going to be a variable for the Huskers. But it seems like Nebraska's confidence in the offensive line, despite all of these moving pieces, it remains pretty high. And the reason is because they've watched some of these guys practice. And it's not like they were just holding water bottles during all these spring practices, fall camp, and early season practices. And Tony White said today, you know, he was like, he was like hey, one of the biggest reasons our defense is so good is because our offense is so good. You know, our offense can run the ball for 200 yards a game. That's why our rush defense is so good is because we have to go up against these guys. So, again, you just have to – I think it was asked to all the coaches today, you know, whether they've been uh, a part of a, a team that has had as many offensive injuries as this one has had with the two more now announced this week uh, with Piper and Corcoran. But, man – Billy Kip, the fourth, Billy, will not play on yeah. Saturday. Nuili New, New will not play on Saturday. Uh, Tommy Hill, he's transitioned to mostly uh, defense right now. He's day to day with an ankle injury. Uh, but man, look at it. Monday, remember it was back in mid September, the day that Matt Rule got in front of the media and he said, have some unfortunate news. Gabe Irvin's going to be out for the season with an injury. Ramir Johnson has a shoulder injury. He's going to miss the remainder. And in that moment, you were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold. Both? Same week, same announcement. And we just replayed it. It's like a bad movie. It is. So With, with two more players, too. I mean, that. Two more offensive starters. Yeah. And then, you know, a week ago, it was Marcus Washington who was out for the year. So. This is a recurring movie for Nebraska, and it's not favorable. They want to change the outcome here. It is. Keep guys healthy. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask you, Kevin, uh, again, the forecast for Saturday, not great. 40s, probably a little breezy, chance for rain. Cue up the Big Ten football. (laughs) Feels like Big Ten football tweet. But what do you prefer? Like late August, early September, it's 100 degrees or – what you could be seeing on Saturday where it's going to be pretty chilly. 
Well, I think Saturday's not going to be terrible. If it were to dry, if you were to drop the temperature down to the 30s with the wind, I, I, would, be take, like I would take Mi August. Michigan State when it was snowing a couple years ago. I mean, you know my, my thoughts on games in the snow. I absolutely love them because the video is outstanding. Yes, it is. And so for TV guys like Chase and I, like, yeah, give us a snow game all day long. You know, yeah, what but if, I, it's, if it's cold and not snowing, get me out of here. That's the point, yeah. Get the rain out of there. The rain games, no fun. Uh, cold games with no snow, eh, whatever. You, we we're, we can survive them, all right? We're not candy, you know. You've it's, kind of been conditioned um, by the early spring ga baseball games at Haymarket Park. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're asking me, would I rather take this Saturday or August 100 degrees, I'll take this Saturday. If you were to say it was going to be a high of 32 with no snow, would I take that or August? I'm taking August. All right. Chase, you agree? Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, we'll have to see if it if it gets colder than what it was at Illinois because with the wind in Illinois, it got pretty cold. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying that it's going to be uh, that Illinois was worse than anything. Uh, it'll probably get worse later this season. But yeah, they've already experienced a little bit of cold. I don't think Saturday will be too. You know, if it gets wet, that could be a factor, especially with a lot of young receivers who are scared even with maybe the ball coming at them in perfect conditions, right? So, Matt Rule likes the cold, too. He said as much on Monday, and it's kind of been the way that he's approached this job and the makeup of the team and the DNA of the offense. They want to be able to win in the cold in November. I know we're not at November yet, but, like, this is kind of speaking to Matt Rule's soul when he took this job. Big Ten football, blustery day, and he wants to be physical up front and run the ball. And that's what it takes to win when you're in these really cold games. Being comfortable, being uncomfortable, which is one of a, one of his mantras, I think, in the spring, but we haven't heard heard it during the season. Um, just r real quick to end things, again, a note, Husker basketball, they have their exhibition this week against Doan on Sunday, October 29th. That's at 5 p.m., um, undoubtedly, we'll have coverage uh, on Sunday, but then the season, the basketball season opens up then the, the following kind of week, November 6th, Monday, against Lindenwood. So basketball getting ready to start up now here too. So football, basketball, and volleyball. Busy time in the sports department. Yeah, high school football playoffs are, are uh, starting this week too. High school state it's... volleyball is next week. So this is this is the fun season. Yeah. Sleepless season too. Sports <laughs> equinox. Sports the sports equinox. Uh, all right. So again, just to recap real quick, again, Purdue Saturday, two thirty, FS one, volleyball, Friday and Saturday, seven and seven thirty, Maryland and, and Rutgers on BTN plus. Uh, you can get all the coverage uh, here on ten eleven, both uh, online and as well as on air. Again, end reports, six and ten o'clock uh, throughout the week. So anything else from you guys before we let everyone go? We did not mention that Nebraska is four and three. They're over five hundred yes, for the first three, yeah. time in the Matt Rule era. Four and three. And you know what two wins away is? It's a bowl. Bowl game. Well, let's. And on that, that note, we slide on out. Of slide here. on out of here. All right. Appreciate everyone for tuning in and for watching again. As always, like I mentioned, keep tuned to ten eleven both on air and online for all of your latest Husker content.
You've been listening to the End Report Husker Show from 1011. Watch, listen, and stream on the 1011 Now app, on YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch the End Report on 1011 Sports at 6 and 10 p.m. And download the 1011 Now app.